Welcome to the audio podcast of North River Church. You can find out more about North River and ways you can be involved at our website, gonorthriver.org. invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Acts. We will pick up our series called Church on the Move, working this morning through Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Message entitled, Saved to Serve. There are a few types of people who are in this room this morning. Some of you absolutely hate conflict. Some of you love conflict. Some of you just like to watch conflict play out. You know, you can illustrate this best by looking at Facebook. The first group who hates conflict sees someone post something and says, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. The group that likes conflict sees someone post something and say, they're an idiot, I'm going to have to engage. (laughs) Then you have the third group who just likes to watch it kind of play out and they are sitting there with popcorn saying, I can't wait (laughs) to read the comments. But what happens when conflict comes in to the church? What happens when conflict is at your doorstep. For the early church, we're going to see things have been going pretty well in terms of internally. They were seeing incredible moves of God take place within the culture in which they were in. They were seeing thousands and thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ. They were experiencing conflict, but that conflict was external. There were religious leaders of the day who were watching and seeing that this group of people was preaching and proclaiming that Jesus Christ raised from the dead, and they had a mission to stop that. So the conflict up until this point was an external conflict. We talked last week that Satan loves to do everything that he can to try to thwart the mission of God being carried out in this world. And this morning, as we read in Acts chapter 6, the first seven verses, we're going to see that conflict that has been external all of a sudden for this early church become internal. And so as I read the text this morning for us, I want you to pay attention to that. I want you to, as we work through the text this morning, identify what is the problem? What is the conflict that's taking place? And then what is the solution that they offer to deal with this conflict? And then lastly, what are the results? What's the aftermath of this solution being implemented within the early church. And as we walk through the text this morning, as you pay attention to those things, we also are going to ask some questions of ourselves. So what does this text have to say to us today? Let's read this morning. Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Luke continues in this account of the early church writing, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. 
And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Father, we ask this morning that as we open your word, you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit this morning. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. As we look at the text this morning, I hope you were able to identify the conflict, the problem that arose in the early church, that you were able to see kind of what's playing out within the solution and then the aftermath of what takes place. But let's walk back through that together this morning as we look at this early conflict, this early complaint, this early problem that happened within the early church. Verse 1 of chapter 6, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, I want you to notice that the problem did not result because there was no growth taking place within the church. As we've been leading up to this, there is incredible growth taking place in the church. There are literally thousands of people that are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and responding by faith and saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross to save me from my sins. I'm placing my faith and trust in Him because He died for my sins and rose from the grave. So you have thousands of people who are doing that. And yet, a problem comes up. It says a complaint, and you know those don't ever happen in church, right? A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. So you have this issue that happens. This complaint that is brought up, you have within this early church two groups of people. They are all Jews ethnically, but they speak different languages. So you have the Greek-speaking Jews, the Hellenists, and then you have the Aramaic-speaking Jews who are called the Hebrew Jews here. And so you've got an issue within the early church locked on, not ethnic lines, but on cultural lines where there's a group of widows that are being left out. What they say here is in the daily distribution. 
So you have widows who are in this early church who are not being cared for in the same way that other widows were being cared for. Now, there's some debate on exactly what's taking place here and what these men who are set apart are called to do with this group. Some look at this and they say this is primarily a financial issue that's taking place. So you have these widows who have converted to Christianity from Judaism, and at that point in time, because they were widows, they had no way to support themselves financially. They were totally dependent on the church stepping in and helping them, supporting them. We've seen earlier in this book that that's exactly what was taking place within the early church, that they were meeting needs of one another, that they were selling some of their possessions so that they could give to those who were in need. But these widows, the Hellenistic widows who were in the early church were not being provided for in the way that they should have been provided for. And if you know anything about church life, When there's a problem, it's easy for it to create disunity. When there's a problem, it's easy for people to start picking sides. It's easy for the people who love conflict to say, oh, I'm going head on with this. Those who don't like conflict are saying, oh, I'm probably going to go to another church because I ain't dealing with this. And some are just going to sit back and watch to see who's bleeding at the end. But here that What we see happen is that this problem is not swept underneath the rug. This problem is dealt with head on. I want you to notice beginning in verse 2 as we see this solution that is offered. The twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and they said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, you may look at that and you may think, that's a kind of bold thing to say. I mean, are the early apostles saying that work that needs to take place is beneath us? And we're not going to serve like that. We want to primarily be on stage and we want to primarily preach and we don't want to have to deal with what's going on. That's not at all what they're saying here. What they're saying is that there is a larger mission that must be accomplished. There's a larger mission that they're seeking to fulfill. They say, listen, we have been gifted in such a way that our primary role, our primary responsibility, the apostles saying, was for us to study and to pray and to prepare to preach God's word. It's not them saying that serving tables, taking care of these widows is not an important task, an important responsibility, but they're looking around and they're saying, listen, if we give ourselves totally to do this, then we will neglect the main thing that God has called us to do. So here's the thing that can easily happen in churches. The mindset can be We hire the pastors to do the work. We pay you. We let you do the work and we come up and reap the benefits of the work that's being done. And yet, for them, they say, no, that's not it. 
In fact, if the mission of God is going to flourish, if people are going to continue to meet Jesus Christ, then the apostles are looking and they're saying, every one of us has to be a part of this mission. Every one of us has a responsibility. Every one of us has a task to fulfill. Every one of us has a part in this mission that we are supposed to be playing. And so they look and they say, listen, we know what our part is. Our part is what they detailed out there. We must be preaching the word of God. And we can't neglect doing that because that's the role that God has called us to fulfill. But this mission of caring for these widows and continuing to allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to spread so that there's not conflict within the church, they look and they say, we've, we've got to have people that can do this. We have to have people who are willing to serve in this capacity. People who are willing to give of themselves to fulfill this responsibility. And so they look. They have a conversation. They remind the church of their calling and their responsibility. And then they say in verse 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So they look and they say to this early group of believers, this is something that needs to be taken care of. And here's why it needed to be taken care of. They had a responsibility to care for the widows. In fact, Jesus gave us that responsibility as the church to care for the least and for the lost. That's our call. That's our responsibility. And what the early apostles realized is that if they didn't help in this situation, that this threatened to destroy what God was doing in this early church. To create disunity, to create problems, so that all of a sudden you had people who were saying, ah, I see what they're all about. I see that they don't really care about us. I see that they're really more interested in their own kind, in the people that look like them and talk like them. They're not interested in dealing with us. But the apostles don't allow that to go on. Say, let's identify these men who can step in and fulfill this responsibility. Who can take care of these widows. Who can serve them. Who can be there for them. Who can help them financially. Who can help them being comforted. Who could help them even possibly knowing that they were not speaking the Aramaic language. Maybe they needed help also in translating God's word as it had been proclaimed. It's possible that that was also a component of this that they were involved with. So they offer this solution. And they said in verse 4, reiterating once again, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5, what they said pleased the whole gathering. And so they choose these seven men. They set them before the apostles and they prayed and they laid their hands on them. So we see this beautiful picture take place of 
these men being set apart, being tasked to fulfill this mission. Now, the question and the thought that a lot of people come at this text with is that this is where deacons begin their ministry in the early church. And there's an element where that's probably a prototype to the early deacon ministry within the early church, but I don't think that's exactly what's playing out here. I think that there's a problem that needs to be fixed, and they find a solution to fix that problem. I want you to notice, though, the results that happen as a result of this. Verse 7, the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The mission to fulfill The Great Commission, which is to make disciples of all nations, that's the task that Jesus left his church to accomplish. And as a result of this problem coming up and this solution being brought to bear on this problem, we see that the results are that the church continues to flourish. We see that in the midst of the problem, the solution being offered, that the church continues to do what it's called to do. Now, I said, Michael, that sounds really, really good. I'm glad they got it worked out. But what does this have to do with me? What does this text have to do with me? I want you to notice this morning, as you're taking notes, write down this main idea that will frame the rest of our time together this morning as we walk back through and think through how this text impacts us individually as believers here in this local body. Write this down. Saved people serve people. And the church grows. Saved people serve people. And the church grows. Saved people, let's just take that real quick and remind ourselves what we're talking about when we're saying someone who is saved. We're talking about someone who is a believer, who is trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you're here this morning and you've never taken that step, I want to encourage you this morning to consider the reality of who Jesus Christ is. As we've been walking our way through the book of Acts up to this point, we've been reminded week after week after week of the reality of who Jesus Christ is, that He is the very Son of God who left heaven and came to this earth, who took on flesh and who dwelt among us, who took our sin upon Himself on the cross and died for our sins so that we could place our faith and trust in Him and be forgiven of our sins, be made right with God. So when we say saved, that's what we're talking about. And if you've never taken that step, today is a great day for you to take the step of trusting in Jesus as your Savior. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, it's not by accident that you're here today. In fact, the Lord has opened the door for you this morning to respond by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be forgiven of your sin, to be made right with God. Saved people, people whose lives have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we serve a Savior who served. 
Jesus said this in his ministry that he did not come to be served. In fact, when we look at Jesus' ministry, that's what some of his disciples thought maybe would take place eventually. Maybe would Jesus would gather enough power on this earth so that people would serve them. In fact, they were looking at the religious leaders of the day and they were saying that's primarily what they're doing. They're in it for themselves. They want people to serve them. But Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's the Savior that we serve. So for us who have been saved by Jesus, it makes sense that we too would imitate our Savior and serve others. So for every single one of us who are a follower of Jesus this morning, the call on our lives is to serve. The call that we've been issued is a call to serve. And the amazing thing that happens is as we serve, the church does exactly what the church did in Acts chapter 6. The church grows. I said that the church had a serious problem. The reality for us today is we also have a serious problem. Here's the first truth I want you to write down. We have a serious problem, an urgent mission that must be accomplished. You look around at churches and the reality is most conflict enters the church when the church is more focused on itself than it is the world outside. When we're less concerned about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's oftentimes when conflict internally begins. Because the reality is, if we are more interested in reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the greatest conflict we will experience will be external conflict, not internal conflict. And so as we see play out in the early church, this internal conflict, they are being tempted in this moment to focus in totally on themselves, to be primarily concerned about us, to be primarily concerned about having a holy huddle, to be primarily concerned about what happens within these walls. And yet, we were reminded the very first week in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus gave His church a mission. That mission is to make disciples of all nations. That's our calling. That's our responsibility. Which means for every single one of us as a follower of Jesus here this morning, God has tasked you and me with the responsibility of living as a missionary in this community that he's called us to live in. Which means that as we go to work and as we go to school and as we go to restaurants and grocery stores, as we go home, that that area that we are entering into is a mission field where God has tasked us to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's the problem that we have. That's what we are called to look at and to recognize and to frame our understanding that this is what we're called to do. This is a mission that must be accomplished. 
And not only is it a mission that must be accomplished, it's an urgent mission. See, the reality is people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ die and spend eternity in hell separated from Him. That is the reality. That is why the mission is urgent. See, the reality is the gospel of Jesus Christ is only good news if it gets to that person on time. And for every single one of us as a follower of Jesus, that is our urgent mission. That's what we've been called to fulfill. In fact, if you look at it, that's our problem and our privilege as believers. That we have a mission that needs to be accomplished. Now here's the question. Like the early church, how do we accomplish that mission? Well, we have a clear solution. The scriptures give it to us displayed here, but it's also throughout the New Testament as well. We have a clear solution. Every believer equipped and released to serve. That's the solution. How do we reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? How do we fulfill the mission that God has called us to fulfill? It is equipping and releasing every believer to go and to live on mission every single day of their lives. How do we transform this community? How do you reach your neighbor? How do you transform the ball team that your kids play on? How do you reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? You're the answer. See, I want you to hear me this morning. I can't go home with you every single day after church. Some of you are like, praise the Lord. I bet you're intense. I can't go home with you. But the Holy Spirit of God, as we've seen already in the Scriptures and the book of Acts, has empowered you to go and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that you come into contact with. And for us, what our desire here at North River Church is to do is equip you to help you recognize that that's your responsibility to fulfill. And here's the truth. You can fulfill that responsibility both here in this local body of believers and you can fill it outside of these walls as well. I just want you to be reminded this morning that when we talk about serving, when we talk about growing in our relationship with the Lord, and one of the ways that we can accomplish that is through serving, what we're talking about primarily is serving within the body of believers here. I talk to pastors consistently who talk to me about the 80-20 rule. If you don't know pastors speak, let me just let you in on the window of what we talk about. Typically, in most churches, giving and serving is done by 20% of the people in the church, and then 80% of the people don't. I want you to know the beautiful thing about North River Church in terms of serving. Our Percentages are flipped. 
about 80% of our people serve. 80% of you in some capacity, whether that's setting up on Sunday morning or getting coffee ready or serving in our kids' ministry or in our student ministry, whatever that may look like, about 80% of you are serving. I just want to say as your pastor, thank you. Thank you for doing that. And you may be tempted to think, well, you know, Pastor, I mean, I, I do serve. I mean, I, I'm on the setup team, but I mean, I, you know, I just don't really feel like that does a whole lot. Let me just remind you that every single one of you who serves plays a part in the ability for us to pull off a service on Sunday morning. So that people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ every single Sunday morning can respond by faith if they're not believers or can be encouraged and equipped to continue to live out what God has called them to live out. So I want you to know this morning, there is no insignificant servant here at North River Church. Every single one of you who serves, if you're serving in this room primarily, you are enabling me and Pastor Scott and our worship team to do what God's called us to do, and we thank you for that. If you are serving in our kids' ministry, I want you to hear me. You are enabling parents to come in and to sit in this room and to hear the gospel and to be encouraged in their walk with Christ, but also you are offering an opportunity for our kids 80 to 100 every single week here at North River Church that are in this part of the building to hear the truth of who Jesus Christ is from the time that they're baby till they're in fifth grade. That is an incredible thing. And I want you to be reminded this morning that that is how the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to spread does that here in this local body of believers, but it also does that outside of these walls as well. For us as believers, we've been called not only to serve in here, but also to serve out there. To serve in your home, to serve in your workplace, to serve the parents that are on ball teams with your kids. I want you to recognize this morning that your serving calling doesn't stop just within these walls. You may be a listening ear for someone who, as Jillian talked about this morning, had the worst week that they've ever had. You may be in a position that when you go home that your kids are asking questions and you have an opportunity to serve your kids well and to teach them who Jesus is. You have the opportunity to serve your spouse. Hello. Husbands, to love your wives as Christ loved the church. For us as believers, not only do we serve within the body, but we serve outside of these walls as well. And I want to challenge you once again. I want to encourage you once again. Discover how God has gifted you and Commit yourself to serve Him every single day of your life. You are free to do that. And here's the result. If 
we do this, we can expect powerful results. The church growing. For us this morning, that's the result. That's what we see take place in Acts chapter 6 as they dealt with this problem, as they brought the solution to bear, as they equipped and released people to serve. What they saw happen is, as we saw in verse 7, the word of God continued to increase. The numbers of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Even priests were being saved. You see, if you take ownership of the reality that God has enlisted you in His service. That God has equipped you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. That God has given you opportunity every single day to impact people with the truth and the hope of who Jesus Christ is. If you will adopt that mindset, if you will adopt that mentality, I can assure you that the kingdom of God will grow. North River Church will grow as a result of us being faithful to do what He's called us to do. The greatest Church growth principle outside of the fact that Jesus does what he wants to do is when every single one of us catches a vision for what he's called us to do. When every single one of us looks at the mission field that God sends us out into every single week in our homes and in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, on the ball field, that God has gifted to us the opportunity to be a part of what He is doing in this world. And He's called us to share the hope that we found in Jesus with people that we meet. That is how the church grew in Acts chapter 6. That is how the church grows Today, you and me serving here and outside of these walls the mission that God has called us to be a part of. I'm confident this morning that there are people that you will see this afternoon, that you will see Monday morning, that you will see in the afternoons through this coming week who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't know Jesus as their Savior. And God in His providence has so positioned you in front of them to share with them the hope that can be found in Jesus. Serve them well by pointing them to Jesus. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity this morning once again to pull back the curtains and to take a glimpse in the window of this early church to see how they dealt with a problem to see the solution of equipping others to serve and to see the church growing as a result of that. Father, would you burden our hearts this morning? Would you remind us today 
that there is no insignificant believer in the life of the church. But God, you have gifted us and equipped us for different roles and different responsibilities. As your word tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 that we are part of the body. Every single one of us playing a pivotal role in the body functioning as it's supposed to and being built up. Father, would you give us the courage to not be content to just come and to sit. To not leave and just blend in. But Father, that you would give us boldness to serve both here and outside of these walls. That we would take seriously the urgent mission that you've called us to fulfill. That we would see our part and that we would play our part well. That we would serve the kingdom. That we would point people to Jesus. And that we would see the fruit of you at work in people's lives. Father, for the one who's here this morning and has never taken the step of trusting Jesus as their Savior. Father, they've heard once again this morning who Jesus is. And that they can be saved from their sins and be made right with you if they'll trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, would you give them the courage to do that today? Father, would you use North River Church to be a part of the mission that is being accomplished in this community? Use us. We ask that in your son's name. Amen.